Amen. So good to just worship together, isn't it? Just to be together as a church family. That's amazing. So today we're kicking off a brand new series. It's a three-week series leading up to Easter, and we're going to be walking through Psalm 23. Maybe you've read this. Maybe you've heard it. Some of you in here, you probably even have it memorized. It's a very popular psalm, and you hear it in a lot of different contexts, right? And so uh, this is what we call, Psalm 23 is what we call a coffee cup passage, You probably have it even just on your coffee cup or even on a t-shirt somehow just because it's so popular. There are a lot of those passages, John 3.16 being one of them. The list goes on of just popular passages. This is one of them. The, The good thing is is that it's getting scripture out there in front of people. That's great and all. But the bad thing about being so popular is that usually those verses or those passages begin to lose their meaning and lose the focus of what it's actually trying to teach us, what it's actually trying to show us in life. And so that's why we want to take a moment, just as we build up to Easter, we want to take a moment to walk through Psalm 23 so that we can get a better idea of what Psalm 23 actually is talking about. And so today we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3. Next weekend, you won't want to miss it, we're looking at verses 4 and 5. And then the weekend after that, we are going to be looking at verse 6, and also celebrating baptisms. And that is the week before Easter. And then you won't want to miss the Sunday after that because it's Easter. And so basically, your next four Sundays are, are booked, okay? So you won't want to miss any of this. We would love to have you as we walk through Psalm 23 and also leading up to Easter Sunday. Uh, there's no way better to begin a series on a certain passage than for God's people to all read it together. And so I know, I know you just sat down. But out of reverence, if you're able, I would love it if you would stand back up with me. We're going to read Psalm 23 together this morning as we kick off this series, okay? So it's going to be on the screens for you, don't worry. You just follow along with me. And remember, it's not too early, okay? So you can read loudly if you want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You can have a seat. Isn't that just, doesn't that just feel good sometimes? to just stand up and read God's word all together. You see, if you didn't know what Psalm 23 was before, now that we read through it, you're probably like, oh yeah, I've heard that at every funeral I've been to. 
or I've heard that in this context or in this context. And so that's why we want to just kind of wrap ourselves around this psalm for three weeks because Psalm 23 is not just here to sound pretty or churchy or to make you feel all warm and cuddly inside. Psalm 23 has a purpose. Psalm 23 are, are words from God's people directed toward God, and they've been said toward God for thousands of years. Because that's what the Psalms are. Many of us know what the Psalms are. We've read them, but it's different than every other book of the Bible because these individual Psalms are God's people's words directed toward God, and then God uses them as his words back to us, which is pretty amazing, okay? And so the nation of Israel, they would write these psalms, and then these psalms were then introduced into their worship liturgy, and then they were so good that they were compiled for over a thousand years. That's where we get all the psalms from. So that, why did they do this? So that the next generation of God's people could use them, and then the next generation, and then the next and the next, and the next, and guess what? We're using them today. Isn't that pretty amazing? And so they're, they're, they're God's people's words directed toward God, but yet God uses them to then teach us and help us along our journey of faith. It's pretty remarkable what the Psalms are all about. And so Psalm 23 is not just a good sentiment, it has a purpose. And here's the purpose. Don't miss this. Psalm 23 is describing our reality in life in relation to the reality of who God is, okay? It's describing our reality in life in relation to the reality of who God is. It's describing the confidence that we can have in our God as we journey in this life because that's what life is. It's a journey, isn't it? And on journeys of our journeys of life, it's not all fairy tales and fields of flowers, is it? No, it gets tough, doesn't it? And that's where Psalm 23 enters into. Before we look at verses 1 through 3, though, you kind of have to start at the top. So if you don't have your Bible open to Psalm 23, you should probably just do that. Um, but right at the top, a lot of Psalms will have what's a, a title to it. And so the title to Psalm 23, it says at the top, a Psalm of David. A Psalm of David. If you don't know who David is, maybe you know it in this context, David and Goliath. All right, that David, or in other words, King David. And so the reason we ascribe Psalm 23 to David as him being the author is twofold. First of all, it's because for centuries, and especially around God's people, it's been ascribed to David for a long time. So that's a good telltale sign that it most likely was from David. And a psalm like this couldn't just come from a random person. It had to come from someone with authority. And at some point, David becomes king of Israel. So in other words, he has a platform where he gets to write psalms that are then incorporated to Israel's worship of God. And so he has a platform. That's one reason why we believe David was the author of Psalm 23. The second reason is because David was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. That's actually where we meet him in 1 Samuel chapter 16. We meet David as he was keeping the sheep, it says. Samuel goes to David's father, says, hey, one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. And so uh, he lines up all of his sons in order from oldest to youngest. And they're probably some jack dudes, most likely. 
And Sam is like, nope, 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 nope. And then he's like, do you have any other sons? And he's like, yeah, I have one. He's the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. In other words, he's a shepherd. You don't want him. And Sam was like, eh, actually, I do. And God does. And so that's where we meet him. And so because he is a shepherd, it means he has experience. So not only does he have this platform to write a psalm that's incorporated to the worship of God in Israel, but he also has the experience. Platform and experience leads to Psalm 23. And that's why we believe David wrote it. And so we're just going to kind of go on that the rest of the time, the rest of the series. So David begins the psalm by saying an amazing phrase. Many of you know this. The Lord is my shepherd. That's comforting, isn't it? And we're going to get into that a little bit. I love this statement because it's doing a few things. First, it's declaring who God is. And second, it's declaring who David is. So he's declaring in this one statement who God is. He's giving God his due status. He's giving God his due worth. And at the same time, he's giving himself his due status and himself his due worth. That's what we see in this whole phrase. So let's check that out for a second. He begins by showing us who God is by saying the phrase, the Lord. The Lord. This phrase is basically a Hebrew. In Hebrew, it means Jehovah or Yahweh, which is the name that God himself gives to Israel back in Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible, where God reveals himself to Moses and then to Israel, and he calls himself the Lord or Yahweh. This name refers to the grandeur and the eternal nature of our God, to his majesty, to his supremacy, to his superiority, all of it. This phrase, the Lord, refers to the supremacy and the superiority of God. Which, side note, means that if you just use the phrase Lord in your vernacular, in your everyday life, you're kind of missing the point of what that name actually means. And so that's why it's very important that you use it in the right way. Okay? So he ascribes to God. He says, the Lord. He's looking at how God is greater, bigger, more majestic than we can ever truly comprehend. But do you notice in this phrase how this is not, that's not the only way he looks to God? So it says the Lord, but what's another name for God in this passage? Shepherd. The Lord is also shepherd. It's also shepherd. You see, what David is doing is he's just opposing the grandeur and the greatness and the superiority and the supremacy of God with the fact that he is an intimate, caring, thoughtful, present shepherd. And so he's, he's showing us who God is. He's the Lord, but he's also shepherd. And if God is the shepherd... What does that make us? Ah, you guys are tracking with me today. I like it. The Lord, he is shepherd, which makes us the sheep. Some of you grew up on farms. You understand what shepherds do. Others of you are like me, and you have to Google it. And I still don't really understand all of it. But we have the concept in mind, right? 
this idea of shepherd and sheep. We're going to appeal to Philip Keller, who is a pastor, but also a shepherd in Africa and North America. And I love what he says pertaining to sheep. He says, sheep just don't take care of themselves, which I thought they just did, like every other animal. As some might suppose, they require more than any other class of livestock. So more than any other class. Endless attention and meticulous care. It's no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. I love that phrase because why? We as God's sheep require endless attention and meticulous care. Don't we? Yes. Yes. Sheep are not the smartest animal. And if you don't believe me, just check this out. Maybe you've seen this before. And that's us. Like, how true is that? And I love how they just make the kid in flip-flops get him out, you know? You see, not only are sheep not very smart and end up just back in the trench time and time again, they're also fearful and scared of everything. They're extremely stubborn, and they follow other sheep without really thinking about the potential consequences that may be waiting for them. Which means, like Philip Keller says, that sheep really require intimate care and they, they require a shepherd who's going to love them and who's going to lead them in their life. And the same is true for us. There is no wonder that not only does God, but also David attribute us to God's sheep. Because how often do we just end up back in the trench? Just time and time again. And I know you know that's true, and it's funny because it's so true. Where we just end up back in there. How often are we worried and fearful like sheep are? Maybe that's you today. Anxiety, worry, or just overcoming you. How often are we stubborn and think our ways are best? How often do we follow others without understanding the consequences that may be awaiting us? You see, the Lord, the Lord, the eternal, supreme, superior Lord is also shepherd. And he's our shepherd because we require intimate care and love, and we require a shepherd to lead us. That's what we need. How do we know this to be true? It's because Jesus tells us in John 10, 14, and 15. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Do you see this? 
I am the good shepherd. So it's not like God's out there just to, to, just to smite you. He's a good shepherd, means he cares for you. He's going to pull you out of the trench. He's going to lead you. He's going to care for you. Not only that, but he also knows you. So if you feel like you're not known in your life, guess what? God knows you. You. Like every point of your life, he knows you. And he cares for you. And you know him. He cares for you. He's our shepherd. Not only that, though, it goes further. Not only does he just care for us and lead us and know us, but it says here that he lays down his life. So when we stray and we go to danger, guess what? He doesn't just say, oh, good riddance. We're just going to move on. He goes and he helps us. He lays down his life for us. And he does that so that we can have life and life to the full. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. He gave his life for you and for me, willingly. And he gave his life. He gave up the very breath he created. And then three days later, resurrected in victory so that we may have victory. Do you see this? And this is why we can look to our God and look to Jesus and say he's a good shepherd. Because he lays down his life for you and for me. The Lord is our shepherd. This is who God is. It's his status. And I love how David says the word my in there. The Lord is my shepherd. That's that personal nature of God. David is showing us that we are God's. We are his sheep. We're not just sheep out there. We are God's. In fact, Scripture says, often that we are the sheep of his own pasture, that we are his own possession. You know what that means for us today? That means for us that we were never created to live this life dependent on ourselves. Do you realize that? Like God never created us and said, here you go, I gave you everything so you can just survive on your own. We were created to depend on our shepherd, our leader, the Lord. And yet how often do we just disregard God and begin to depend on ourselves? I want to tell that sheep when he got out of the, the trench just to just like stay put. Just don't run. How often do we just bolt? And we think we can do it without God. You see, Psalm 23 is a vivid picture of how the Lord is our shepherd and we as his sheep can confidently trust in God to provide for us and sustain us in our lives in the good times of life and the really low times of life, the valleys. And that's important for us to understand because everybody in this room today, you're somewhere on that spectrum. You're either in a valley today or you're in a really great time of life where things are just going really well. But no matter what, through Psalm 23, we can see that we can rely and trust in our God, who is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, but he doesn't stop there. David continues on, and he says the phrase, I shall not want. I never really understood this phrase when I was a kid. I was always like, you don't want what? Uh, I always wanted him to finish that sentence, but... Basically, what that means is this concept of, 
I shall not be without, I shall not lack, or I have all that I need. So you could almost put the word because in there, the Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, I shall not want, or I won't be wanting, or I won't have any needs, or be without anything I need in life. I love this statement because it's a statement of contentment, being content in life no matter what's going on. Why can we be content? Because the Lord is our shepherd. Not only just a shepherd, our good shepherd. Now, there's another verse out there that's another popular passage that many of us will quote, even write it on our basketball shoes and put it on our social media, but it's Philippians 4.13. This is another passage that's taken out of context and people don't truly understand what it actually means. Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We've all said that before, haven't we? Do you understand the context? Do you know why Paul is saying this? It's contentment. It's contentment. Look at, the, look at the whole passage. Not that I was ever in need, okay? So think about what we just read in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I shall, shall not have any need, okay? Paul's doing the same thing. Not that I was ever in need, for I learned how to live, how to be content with whatever I had. How did he learn this? I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, okay? The ebbs and flows of life, low valleys, high mountain peaks. I have learned the secret of living through every situation, whether it's a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Why? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ because he is our shepherd. And our shepherd will lead us where we need to go to have strength in the midst of every circumstance we go through. You see, that's what Paul is, he's just echoing this concept of contentment. Contentment in God's provision and in contentment in God's leading. One thing I want us to understand today is that contentment flows from our trust in the Lord who is our shepherd. So if you're struggling with contentment today, it flows from the trust and the confidence we have in the Lord as our shepherd. And so from that flows contentment. So if you're discontent in life and you don't really know how you're getting through, the real question to ask yourself is not, where are you, God? It's, God, how can I trust you more? Where do I need to trust you in my life? Do you see how that happens? And when you focus on how you can trust in the Lord, it flows from that, you will receive contentment. And that's very important for us to understand. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But here's the deal, it doesn't stop there. We trust in the Lord, contentment follows. Well, what flows from contentment? It's a great question. Look at this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. Okay, we're going to stop there. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. Green pastures and still waters are places of fulfillment, rest, and 
peace. Green pastures and still waters are what all sheep long for, yet cannot find them without a shepherd. They won't be able to find them. They may a little bit, but not the rest of their lives. And so that's exactly what happens. I, I love this concept. Philip Keller, the, sh- the shepherd that we talked about before, says that because of a sheep's makeup, it's nearly impossible that for them to lie down and rest and have peace. Four things are required for sheep to actually feel a sense of rest and peace. And here they are. They must be free from all fear. They must be free from friction with other sheep. They must be free from flies and other pests so they can relax. And they must be fed and freed from feeling hungry. It sounds a lot like us, right? I can only go to bed if I'm full. There's no bugs. Um, I'm relationally okay. And I'm not scared of my life right now. Then I can sleep. You see, a shepherd understands these things. They're aware of these things. And so a shepherd is going to faithfully lead and guide sheep where? To green pastures and still water so that sheep can experience rest and peace. So that sheep can experience rest and peace. And this is no different from God with us. We trust in the Lord as our shepherd. And that motivates our contentment. And when we're content, guess what? That leads to rest and peace in life. Whereas discontentment, what does that produce? That produces anxiety and worry and fear. That produces chaos. I love what Psalm 4.8 says. This is also attributed to David, but you can almost see Psalm 23 permeate in this psalm as well. He says, I, in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Why does he keep him safe? Because he's the shepherd. He says, I, will, I can lie down tonight in peace. Why? Because I trust in you, which motivates my contentment in my situation, and that situation in Psalm 4 is pretty, pretty gnarly. So you should go read it. And he says, but I can still find peace because I know you, Lord, are going to keep me safe. Why? Because you are my shepherd. Contentment in the Lord produces peace and rest. And peace and rest, though, flows something else. We experience a restoration or a revival of our souls. And that's the next phrase we see here. He restores my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And what's the outcome of that? He restores my soul. All of us know what restoration is, don't we? Take something old, broken, something that I would probably throw away, and you restore it to what it once was. It's exactly what God does for us as our shepherd. We can trust in him and his provision. We can trust in him as our shepherd, which will produce contentment in our life, which will lead to rest and peace, and then ultimately just a revival of our soul. He doesn't throw us away like we may do old things in life. He restores us. He restores us. He restores our broken souls. And how does he restore us? He restores our souls by leading us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us back to the righteous path, the path where he is, where he wants to lead us. 
I love this phrase because it implies that there's a not righteous path, right? So if there's a righteous path, he leads me in paths of righteousness, that implies that there's paths of unrighteousness that we can actually take in our life. And if I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of us have chosen those paths? How many of us have chosen not to follow the shepherd? How'd that, how'd that go for you? Probably ended up right back in the trench, right? So he restores our souls and he puts us back on the right path following him, which is the righteous path in life. You see, when you look at the first three verses of Psalm 23, you see this concept of like who God is. The Lord is my shepherd. And then we see that if we trust in him and his provision and his leading, guess what? We're going to feel and sense contentment in our life. And from contentment, we then feel a sense of rest and peace in our life, a a restoration of our soul, if you will. And then he's going to lead us down these paths of righteousness for his glory and for his name's sake so that other people can feel the same sense of peace in their life. Do you see how it all kind of works together? And if we only see this passage at a funeral, you're never going to understand What David is saying here in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So the question is, is where are you today? First, do you trust in the Lord as your shepherd. That's imperative to begin with. So ask yourself, am I trusting in the Lord as my shepherd? Do I trust and have faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior? First question to ask yourself. Second question to ask yourself, are you discontent? And if you are discontent, in what ways are you not trusting God, which is creating discontentment in your life? Third question is that are you feeling a sense of peace and rest in your life and restoration or is it pure chaos and destruction? Because if it's pure chaos and destruction right now, it's most likely because you're not finding contentment in Christ and you're also not trusting in the Lord as your Savior. And then the last question to ask yourself is what path am I walking on? Am I following the shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life for us Or I'm on my own little path, wandering around in the fields, never going anywhere. You see, Psalm 23 shows us who God is in relation to who we are. And God wants to pull us back to him so that we can trust in him as our shepherd along this journey of life, those good times and the really hard times. And so ask yourself today, do I trust in the Lord? as my shepherd. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for Psalm 23 and the words that were directed toward you, but that you use for us in our lives because they're your words, God. I pray that we would just meditate on this passage, that we would ask ourselves the hard questions, that we would ask others to keep us accountable, that you would work in our hearts and in our lives so that we can look to you as our Savior 
so that we can follow you as our shepherd because you are the one that gave your life for us. Lord, I pray that we just continue to seek you in all things. We pray this in your name. Amen.